Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and we've got a full squad today for the Dundee United Clash at Tanadice. We have Anthony Haggerty, Laura Bradburn and JP Mason. Welcome back to the Matchday Bulletin guys, how are you? 
Hello. Not too bad, thanks. Laura, you'll be back tomorrow. Tell us all about what's happening tomorrow on the 12.30 bulletin. Yeah, he'll be sick of my face after Friday and then today and then Monday. But uh, Natasha has uh, quite quite rightly spearheaded a, a, a wee uh, takeover of Axon for Monday. We're celebrating International Women's Day. So what better way to do that than to, to get the three current female contributors on the show. Um, I'm sure everybody watching will know that we're all very shy and retiring, so I don't know how we're going to fill an hour of content, but we'll do our best. I think you'll be all right. Tony wrote a song especially for the occasion. I don't know if he's going to premiere it on today's show, but we've got plenty to talk about. Tony, I don't know, you want to hold that one just now, or you can use it at a later date. We'll see how the game goes. We might need cheered up at full time. I think I would leave that to Axel's version of Destiny's Child to sing it See, one of the big things on a Celtic state of mind, and I remember, like, you know, putting the, the whole podcast together back in the early days. And one of the, my key objectives was uh, for it not to be one of these sites that focuses on things away from Celtic Park, unless they directly affect Celtic, of course. So we, we don't really talk about uh, Rangers and all that kind of stuff. We know the magnitude of this season. We know what's happened yesterday. We will touch on it. But before we do all that, let's talk about Celtic. We're going to have a look at the team lineups. But a wee update on Friday. The Celtic media team invited a Celtic state of mind into, I don't think we can call it a press conference, it was more of an alternative media conference, a fans media conference, and a Celtic state of mind were invited along with some of the other uh, names that you'll be aware of. People like uh, you know, Celtic Underground were there, uh, the 20 Minute Tims, the Cynic, Four Tims in a Pod, uh, and various others were all invited, and it was really well set up. And we had the opportunity to ask one question each of David Turnbull and John Kennedy. So you don't know what order you're in, so you could be number eight in the list. So you had to have maybe ten or a dozen questions just in case everybody else asked the questions that you had lined up. But uh, what we've done is we've got uh, a couple of video clips to play. We'll start off with David Turnbull. Afternoon, David. Paul John Dykes from Celtic State of Mind here. And I was just looking at Scott Brown. He soon turns 36. How big an influence has Scott been on you since you joined Celtic? And how important will he be um, in influencing any new rebuild at Celtic Park? Uh, yeah, he's been brilliant since the day I've come in. Um, even when I wasn't playing, I was kind of involving me in everything and just kind of having banter with me and stuff. Uh, he's been great to have around on the pitch and off it. And uh, looking at as a rebuild, you said... Um, he, I'm sure he'd say he's probably still got plenty left in his legs so it's kind of down to him that's not really for me to say David Turnbull a man of few words I would say um, he does seem to go up in front of the, the press from time to time Tony uh, what did you what did you make of his, his comments about Bruni I get the impression it would be a good idea and I think I've spoken to JP about this to keep Scott Brown for at least another season as a player First and foremost, you look like that old Ricky Fulton advert where he finished with a line and I dropped my carry out in the flare. <laughs> Somebody on Twitter said he looked like a home and away villain, a home and away bad boy. That's, that's nail on the head, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the old advert, I think, old Scottish carry out shop, yeah. No. Who, was, who, were, who were the home and away villains? Who were the bad boys you remember? I mean, my era was Shane Parrish. Remember Shane Parrish was a bit of a bad boy. Uh, I could see him wearing a sleeveless Adidas top. 
There's a guy called Skinner. I think it may have been neighbours though, but Skinner was a You're right. Toad, Toadfish was neighbours as well. Anyway, let, let's move on from that. Tony, Joe sorry. Mango, Joe Mango no fancy sells a bad boy, but he, oh, Joe Mango, he, he will do. <laughs> anyway, Scott Brown. Well, we spoke about it in Friday, didn't we, Laura? But Scott Brown, when there was a difference yes. of opinion, uh, I said that he still had a role to play because he was a big character and a big voice in that dressing room. And if he can help the likes of Turnbull improve on his game, then I, I think it's worthwhile keeping Scott Brown around, to be honest, and let him maybe have a crack at coaching badges to see if he can develop. Because mm-hmm. he's been leading that huddle for so long, and he's He's been an inspiring figure, and he's a winner. So I think uh, I think he still has a vital contribution to make. And if you want him to play the odd game, fine. But stress to him that he'll play a bit part on the playing side to concentrate on a coaching role and be a motivational factor for Celtic for next season to see if they can, can you know, mount a title challenge. Well, I would hope that uh, I would hope that we are going to be mounting a title challenge, Tony. I just think back to sometimes in my Celtic supporting life where we've lost a lot of experience all at the same time. You know, three or four guys uh, leaving all at the same time, and I find that quite dangerous. And I look at the the kind of um, the spine of that Celtic side being the experience of the likes of Forrest and McGregor and Brown, and I think it's important that we keep a hold of these guys at least for another season. But um, yet then perhaps Scott Brown will take a step into the coach. And set up after that. You know, we left, we we lost Lustig. I think Lustig was a vital cog in that machine, and I would have kept him around just for the the motivational factor and to you know to G players up and his experience. I mean, yeah. there was a one. How many medals did Lustig win itself? He was an invincible twice in his career, wasn't he? Because um, he was an invincible before he came to Celtic. Yeah. You know, so guys like that have an important role to play moving forward. They really do. I think so. Mentality back into the club. The mentality, yeah. Because again, you know, we've spoken a lot this season about culture. And I think culture comes from, obviously, the grassroots and from within. And when a new player comes into the club, they have to embed themselves in the culture that already exists. I think that's why I was uh, really annoyed at the comments that Frimpong made last week when he was talking about, oh, it's normal. You know, that, you know, we didn't win the league, that's normal. Well, it isn't normal. And it's not been normal for some time. So it's all about the culture. And I think it's key to have somebody like Scott Brown in that dressing room, especially with the rebuild um, coming around as well. Laura, what was your thoughts on? David Turnbull um, I think he's uh, I, I think his comments were kind of uh, one thing that kind of stood out to me was Scott Brown's having banter with me and like we all know what Scott Brown's like I'm sure that's a big part of his building relationships but it does does concern me a little bit about whether you know I, I voiced my opinion on Scott Brown on Friday saying that I was of the opinion that maybe we need a clean break from him for a while he needs to go away and get experience elsewhere because my suspicion is and David Turnbull's comments there kind of back up to me that maybe he's getting a bit too comfortable maybe he's a bit of a big fish in a small pond now and maybe he needs to spread his wings a little bit and do a bit of learning elsewhere. I'm not saying that there's not a role for him in, at the club in the future. I'm sure there is. You don't you don't get rid of a guy who's done as much as he's done in the last decades or even longer than that without without thinking he'll be back in some capacity in the future. But 
But yeah, I, I would prefer, especially after the way things have collapsed this season, that we get a clean break from some of these players. And as far as for him having another year with a playing contract, I, I think that's even more out of the question. I think if you have question marks over whether he's uh, contributed to the, the attitude of the team this season, I certainly think you could have more question marks over what he's actually contributed on the pitch. So uh, for me, it's a no. But as I say, we're, we're a varied and wide opinioned church on Axom and I think that's what's good about it. Oh, absolutely. And um, I would like to hear JP's opinion on this as well. You get so accustomed to Scott Brown being that leader, don't you, JP? The successful leader that he has been for a number of years at Celtic. Yeah, I love him. And uh, to be honest, I don't want his uh, final season to be associated with with what, what it's going to be associated with. We all know what's coming. But um, the, uh, the idea of Scott Brown leaving like this doesn't sit well with me and I don't I wouldn't want to get to a stage next season a couple of months in where we're having a conversation on here going we should have probably kept Scott Brown shouldn't we you know and like if, if he's to go that is you know but so yeah I guess it depends on what Scott Brown wants to do if he sees himself as playing a full season as a first team starter then it's not going to be a Celtic and it can't be a Celtic and that's no disrespect to him but you know, if 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 he wants to go and uh, try something else, then you know that that's up to him, and we can't you know exactly persuade him to stay and just sort of hang around and be this guy in the dressing room that gives you know a second team talk after the manager. You know, it's that's not really what I don't really think that's really what Scott Brown would want to do. See, the big thing for me, JP, all season we've spoken about change. We have been pushing for change on this bulletin and I think that's why the inclusion of Axom on Friday was uh, kind of pivotal on a personal note because we've been asking for that level of engagement. But two of the big things we were talking about was uh, a change in direction in relation to the CEO and also a change in the manager and both of these things have happened. But uh, on the flip side of that, I, I would look at the, the departure of Scott Brown uh, being three massive figures uh, leaving Celtic Park all in a, a very short space of time and it, it does concern me like Tony said we had that example fairly recently where we had players Tony like Lustig and you know Craig Gordon um, all leaving around about the same time or you know within a matter of months of each other or within a season and I think it is a tough one especially when you look at the, the turnover in personnel in the summer there with six new guys coming in trying to bed them into that whole mentality and culture of the club that's worrying me and by the by, the same token, though, I get what Laura's saying um, in relation to having that figure. How much has he contributed this season to the poor performances? A lot of people think we're a better side without him in it. There's been a lot of talk about you know sorrow. He's he's been benched. He's on the bench again today, of course. Um, but we were also given the opportunity to speak to John Kennedy and I had loads of questions to ask John Kennedy but as I say you're sixth or seventh in line so you've got to kind of bide your time and tick the questions off as they come along I've been concerned a wee bit about uh, obviously how things are going to change in the transfer market uh, as a result of Covid and Brexit and I asked John Kennedy I'm John Paul John Dykes from a Celtic State of Mind here Conor Hazard has uh, recently signed a new deal at the club how important will the development of Celtic's graduates be as we move into a post-COVID, post-Brexit football landscape? Yeah, it's important, always is. Um, and even now with the way the landscape is, with, with Brexit, COVID, everything else, then, you know, we've got to maximise what we have in-house as well. You know, Connor's one who, you know, you'll have seen yourself several times this season, um, who's one who's been around the first team for long enough now. Uh, and to be honest, he earned, he earned his opportunity to, to play through his training and how he was progressing. Uh, and as I say, as opportunity is good for young players, 
to show themselves. Now there's uh, areas of Connor's game when he did well, uh, and he'll be the first to admit there's areas of the game, you know, especially in, in certain games where um, he has to be better. You know, and, and for a young player, especially a goalkeeper, where you know making the mistakes very much highlighted um, is dealing with not just the talent he's got, but it's pressure situations. So how do you how do you deal with a setback? You know, uh, looking at Connor's game, very talented player, uh, goalkeeper who you know we hope has a very bright future here. Um, for him, again, psychologically, okay, you make a bad decision, you make a mistake, what next? Uh, things I've seen with Connor is very much that it hangs over him for too long. One decision, one bad decision can become two, as minor as it might be. Um, so again, it's how you address that uh, and just resetting. Knowing you made a mistake, accept that, acknowledge it, but again, reflecting on, right, okay, what makes a good performance for me and get back on that. So for Connor, he's a good player, um, one we have high hopes for. You know, delighted he's, he's committed for the next couple of years uh, and hopefully continue to progress the way we, the way we want him to. As I say, it's taken us three and a half, almost four years to get into a Celtic presser, as they call it. And um, I was impressed with John Kennedy, so I felt it was necessary to actually put that out because you've got to be as balanced as possible. But as soon as I put it out, people are saying, oh, one minute you want him out of the club, now you're impressed with him. I didn't mean as a coach. I just thought the way he put himself across, he spent a lot of time with every single uh, query, every single question that was put to him. He spent a lot of time. And I, f- I felt that he was very impressive in, in his delivery. And I'm pretty sure he will have a future at Celtic. But what did you make, Tony, of his response in relation to, I mean, our transfer market uh, dealings moving forward uh, in the development of youth? He kind of skimmed over that and, and focused on Connor, who, by the way, he's dropped from the squad today. <laughs> you put the actual jinx on Connor I know well he didn't really deal with your second part of your question did he we mm. spoke off air Laura yourself and I and we kind of he addressed the Connor Hazard situation but didn't really mm. deal with your, your second part of the question which as you say he, he came across very impressively you would have liked to have heard him expand on that and he did say it was important moving forward but we all know that that it's important moving forward you know and he, he seems to Seems to like Connor. He's worked with Connor. Clearly, hasn't he? You know. So, but I, we know the importance of rearing our own talent. But the problem with rearing your own talent is, well, no, we don't want to rear them for other teams to come in and pluck them just when they're about to, you know, maybe make their breakthrough into the first team. And we've seen, we've watched that happen with increased regularity mm-hmm. in the past couple of seasons. And the clubs that are coming are big clubs. Why should Celtic do all the groundwork? And then clubs like Bayern Munich, Man City, Liverpool or whoever reap the rewards. Celtic have to stop that. So they have to, you know, find a way of, you know, obviously rearing the, the young talent and make and giving them a pathway to the first team and making sure they play for Celtic before they play for anybody else or sign for anybody else. That's that's the big concern here. A lot of other questions were asked in relation to what Kennedy had uh, learned from previous managers, including, of course, Neil Lennon, Brendan Rodgers, Ronnie Dyla. He spoke in glowing terms about Brendan Rodgers saying that they are still in regular contact. Hopefully that's not about Odson Eduard, who he also said uh, wouldn't be leaving on the cheap. JP, were you impressed with, with John Kennedy, the way he put himself across there? Uh, yeah, I was, uh, and I'd, I've been reading a lot of people saying, "Oh, I think it's, it's terrible how much abuse John Kennedy's been getting." I, I don't really know if it's abuse. I think people are just annoyed at the fact that he's part of this structure that has been foisted upon 
uh, a run of managers. And I know you could say, oh, well, he was foisted upon Brendan Rodgers. Uh, but was that Brendan Rodgers' choice? Was he given that choice? You know, what what was the situation with when Neil Lennon was appointed? Was there any chat at all about Neil Lennon being able to bring in any of his own staff, which ultimately I think would have helped him? And that's not me waving the Lennon flag. I'm just saying it's a fact of life if you are working with people that you have a bond with. And I know that they played together, you know, probably briefly. Um, but it's just, yeah, I, I'm not on the, the Kennedy bus. There's people, people will text me going, oh, that's Kennedy going to get the job now after that that one day press conference and I was like surely not surely no. not um, no yeah. I don't think so I mean the big thing for me JP try to be as balanced as possible I mean if I was to come away having enjoyed a, a near one hour discussion with the interim manager and just said ah you know Kennedy this Kennedy that we've been shouting for fan engagement all season they give us it you're impressed with a guy that, that actually engages with you and you've got to be as balanced as possible when you put yeah. that out there you know he doesn't get my vote as a new Celtic manager. He could go on a run of games, you know, delaying the title being wrapped up. He could win the Scottish Cup. And by the way, I still think we need a change of manager. I don't think he would be the man for the job, even if he was to, to go on that unbeaten run. Uh, Laura, where do you sit with, with John Kennedy? Um, I, I see a lot of what JP's saying and agree with it. I think it's... Um I think he, he definitely speaks well and there's a lot to be said for that. You would hope that that translates on the training pitch and that he's able to get some of his ideas across in the same kind of way. Um, I don't think, like we've said already, that there's any basis on which he can say he deserves a job off the back of one press conference where he's he's able to answer you know, a lot of... A lot of really good questions, but ultimately not not too difficult questions for him to answer. I think the minimum you expect is a is a manager or, or a, a representative of the club to be able to handle themselves properly in the media, and that's that's exactly what he did. Um, I wouldn't be against him staying in some capacity going forward. I'm not for this kind of. Uh, you know, get him out along with the rest because I, I think there's got to be some continuity there. Uh, that flies in the face of what I said about Scott Brown, but there we go. <laughs> um, I think I think probably what we need, though, is that he doesn't have such a prominent role in the coaching in terms of being the assistant manager. There's certainly a role for him within the club, whether it's in youth development or taking on more of a recruitment role or something like that, but not, in my opinion, being so directly involved with the first team because, as we've seen this season, it, it hasn't worked to any great effect and I doubt that it would work any better or worse with, with a new manager. I think a new manager coming has to have their own people around them. No, I, I would agree with that. Now, John Kennedy's second game in interim charge of Celtic. He's, he's tinkered very, very slightly with the team. Uh, and out goes Patrick Clamalla. We've got three strikers on the bench and we start with one recognised striker alongside El Yanousi. I'll come to yourself first, Tony Haggerty. What do you make of the, the line-up? A couple of changes on the bench. The return to James Forrest. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a welcome return to see that. I mean, obviously we've, we've missed him, but I mean, uh, Jim touched upon it last week when he said he hoped that uh, Kennedy would make his own stamp on the Aberdeen game, but it was a kind of same old, same old. And for lots of last week, Celtic were dark cotton. No, I mean, let's be honest. They really were. They weren't inspiring at all. So he's tinkered a wee bit this week, but I'm looking at that team and I'm asterisk five players. Five players in that team are going to be here next season. Well, possibly Bain, Brown, Turnbull, McGregor and Welsh 
was six of that team after the off. Mm. By the looks of it, Penny, Christie, Edward, Elianusi, Ayer, Laxalt. You would, you would, you would figure, wouldn't you? It's yeah. quite concerning, isn't it? That 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 to me leapt out at me mm. right away. Mm-hmm. You know, Laura mentioned a word there: continuity. <laughs> certainly, this is short-term planning. This is a team. This is a team that are going to be set up to try and shatter Rangers' invincible league season if they can, mm-hmm. and have a tilt at the Scottish Cup if they can. But as we spoke about on Friday, only a fool would put money on Celtic winning the Scottish Cup because that's a change from last week's team. Next week or the week after for the Rangers game, is he going to change it again? So there doesn't seem to be any even plan or planning going on there. You know, it's just short termism or game by game. You know, so I'm no, you know, it doesn't fill me with any great optimism or hope moving forward. It's interesting uh, the amount of players that could leave in the summer. I mean, the the level and the magnitude of this um, rebuild is absolutely. Massive. You, you think Scott Brown's contract's up? I think June, July is it? Normally the end of June. Uh, you've got four loanees returning to their parent clubs. I would guess. I think there might be some interest in El Yunusi, uh, or, or perhaps not, depending on who the new manager is. And then you've got another four players whose contracts are up um, a year in June. So you've got Ayer, Christie, Edward, and Lee Griffiths. That, this list of nine players uh, from that potential nineteen that are that are out there today uh, could all be gone. It's a huge rebuild, and again, it goes back to the Scott Brown thing I guess Laura whereby it's, it is that continuity that I think maybe it's a comfort you need to have that, that regularity of the captain being there for the amount of new faces that are going to come into Celtic I would also think maybe even Tommy Rogic would be on his way out as well I don't think he's contributed enough uh, to be around next season um, when you're looking at that team Laura what are your thoughts are you disappointed that we're not playing with two recognised strikers first and foremost uh, I would say so. I saw. I think it was Totty Ten in the comments saying, "Stop, stop going on about two strikers up front." Most top teams play one striker with two narrow forwards. That's fair enough. But we we don't always play with two narrow forwards either. We end up with one striker and then like three number tens who all get in each other's way and it just doesn't really work. But um, as far as the kind of mass exodus to expect at the end of the season, it is concerning, not even so much from the point of view of the, the players that we're losing, but y- you're going to have to replace them and there's no guarantee that, especially with Champions League qualifiers happening so early in the in the summer, that you're going to have a chance to gel any new recruits that come in. You're, you're potentially going to have a situation where over half of your first 11 are players that have haven't played together before, and, and that with a manager who's not not bedded in at the club either. So that's all a bit of a recipe for disaster. But having read the French football news, uh, it looks like Encham's going to be heading back to. So we'll be all right. We'll have Encham back, and we'll be sorted. <laughs> well, I, I'd kind of resign myself to Encham going. I, I still think he will. He's a, he's a player like um, Rogic for me, and and. and many many ways like El Yunusi as well he just lacks that consistency JP and I just think this season when you've had two or three people of that ilk along with new signings coming in you've got half a team that are not performing yeah I'm, I'm definitely not on a on a, on a bus for Encham coming back because uh, <laughs> you know he's gone he's wanted to go he's wanted to go for a long time and he's got his move and if it doesn't work out at Marseille then you know, it's, it's unfortunate for him. 
Um, but it's certainly not going to work out at Celtic. Um, just with regards to the team selection today, I said last week that I was more interested in what John Kennedy's team would be today rather than last week because he would be able to see what happened last week and then make adjustments for this week. And I, I, for all the optimism of last week and the supposed zip being back in the first half and everything, which yeah, I saw a little bit of but not much, he's gone and changed it again today. Mm-hmm. Kamala on the bench, you know, so he's not stuck with Kamala. He hung his hat in his first game in charge on Patrick Kamala up front and then the second game he's gone, oh, actually no. So, you know, straight away there's like question marks getting flung up in there about his decision making and everything else because that was his first Celtic team last week. And you'd think you'd want to be absolutely 100%, 200% sure that that is the team that's going to do the business for you. And then, yeah, they got the result, but they didn't perform well. So then he's changed it again this week. So I'm, I'm not... Uh, it doesn't fill me with fill me with much confidence about today, to be honest. It's been a feature all season, you know, that chopping and changing of the team. I think when I look at this, um, one of the big questions around the personnel would be, is Barkas, Orieti, or both of them going to be a part of, of the rebuild, or are we going to cut our losses on those two expensive signings? And the only way that we can find that out is by playing them. You know, actually getting them in the team and having a look at them for 10, maybe even a dozen games, depending on how the Scottish Cup goes. But uh, Barkas obviously has been reintroduced to the bench, uh, yet he's still sitting on the bench. I find that a little bit, again, going back to what uh, Anthony said earlier, a wee bit short-term planning, Anthony. I mean, can we salvage anything out of the, the 10 million investment in Barkas and Ayeti? Well, you'll never know, because you see they've got to play. But I think there's a player hidden in Ayeti somewhere. Barkas has just had a nightmare, you know, so you, you've got to make a decision in Barkas, do you give him games to show what he can do, or do you cut your losses and say, look, maybe look, time you look for a new club? But, you know, uh, Kennedy's been there all season, he's watched these guys, that's what concerns me. You know, well, I keep going back to it, you've watched them in training, you must have some idea what they can or what they cannot do. And, you know, and pe- you know, people are getting on as they're saying, oh, it's not a Kennedy loving. People know my thoughts on Kennedy. This isn't an 8, 10, 12 game on the job interview. I don't want him there. I don't want him in the manager's chair. I said it straight away, and I was, you know, I derided for the comment that I made if he's a world class coach that he's kept it well hidden. Right? So, fine, that was just a. a a one-liner, a throwaway line, but I don't want him to be the next Celtic manager. But I wish him well when he's in the position just now. But for me and a lot of Celtic supporters, he'll be tainted by this year's failure. He's part of that setup. So you now have to make a decision with John Kennedy come the summer. Personally, I think he should go and earn his stripes somewhere else. And if he is going to be the manager, then he might come back in the future at some point. But I don't think he's got a role to play in any new managerial setup coming into Celtic. People might disagree. He might be sent to be charged of the youth academy, something like that. Then fine. If he has got ability, then let him prove it there. I would ship John Kennedy out because he's been there far too long. And he's part of the problem, part of the malaise at the club, in my opinion. And I'm not being harsh on John Kennedy, but that's just the way I see it. You know, and <laughs> sorry, on you go. I was just going to say that he was apparently a front runner for the Hibs job, Tony. Uh, you know when Jack Ross got the job at Hibs so I, I think that if he does decide to go or if the club decide that it's time for him to go there will be opportunities for John Kennedy yeah because people keep telling me how good a coach he is great 
I just think that it's not what Celtic need at this moment in time. Celtic need a big hitter to come in and take us on another Brendan Rodgers type journey. That's the level of ambition that Celtic have to have this summer or right now because there's a hundred and odd days to the Champions League qualifiers. And you just implore the board to get this sorted ASAP. Absolutely. Now the players are on the park. Before we go to the action, Tony, give me a prediction for today's today's game. 3-1. They're uproaring. You know the rest. <laughs> what a Bradburn. Uh, I'll go slightly more conservative. I'll say 2-1. 2-1 to Celtic. And JP? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I've got a really bad feeling about today, but I, I'll, I'll be optimistic and say 1-0. Probably in the, you know, the second half, a substitute. Uh, you know, you know this JP. You were talking last week about the last time you were at Tannadice. I'm looking at the forward line there at Dundee United. There's certainly goals in it. Um, I'm impressed with Liam Smith at the back. He's a fullback who used to play five sides with us in Dalgetty Bay, and he's a Celtic fan. So a big shout out for Liam. Um, but I'm looking at that, and I'm, I'm thinking back to a game where we went up to Tannadice. We won three one. I can't remember all three goal scorers, but Willie Faulkner scored a header and then injured his knee celebrating. And Car- Carol Muggleton was in goals, and we won three one that day. And for some reason that's just popped into my mind so oh, I'm going to go 3-1 three, three, Celtic they'll get a goal but we'll win 3-1 um, let's go to the action and I'll catch up with you guys at half time thanks for tuning in to a Celtic State of Mind hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. 
Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.